Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Word Community Church. How are you today? Oh, come on. That was kind of lame. Hello. Hello. How are you today? Let's stand together. It's great to have you here. God is good, is he not? We serve an amazing king, an amazing Lord, a wonderful Savior. Let's bow our heads and thank him and ask him to bless this time. Father, we are grateful to come into your presence, Lord, and we do so with praise on our lips, thanksgiving in our hearts, Lord. Your word says that, Lord, and we experience it regularly. We just thank you for this opportunity we have to come into your presence this day. We want to center ourselves upon you, Lord, and just shed the day, Lord, allow that which has been crowding in our hearts and minds and perhaps taking hold of us in different ways, Lord. We just leave that at your feet now. And we pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would just restore unto us the joy of your salvation. We praise you for who you are, Lord, and we ask that you, as we sing these songs, that you would inhabit our praises. You would just soften our hearts and prepare us to hear the truth of your holy word, Lord God we may be receptive, ready to grow, ready to change, ready to go forth beyond these walls and share your love, God. Father, we just ask for an anointing upon Pastor Luke today, Lord, and every one of those that are serving in so many ways, Lord, those serving with our little ones and teaching our children, being with our little ones, Lord, and just serving in so many ways, God. We just pray your blessing upon all those that serve, that you may be honored in all of it, in our words and our deeds. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Good morning, church. How are we doing today? Awesome. It's great to see you guys. We would like to welcome you to Living Word Community Church. And we would also like to welcome any guests that are here for the first time. If you can please raise your hand so we can welcome you. Any guests? I don't know if I see any new faces. No? Okay. So we'll continue. I think I see some new faces. We will welcome you anyway if we can welcome them, church. Welcome them. Give them a hand. If you didn't raise your hand at the end of service, um, please look for an usher, or the usher will look for you, and we'll give you um, some information about our church. Um, if you can fill it out, and you can give it to the sound room in the back, we'll give you a free Jesus DVD, okay? So we'll continue with the announcements. Um, we have a lot of announcements today. Uh, are they out of what? Nope. Okay, so, so today is Missionary Sunday. Um, please help out the missionaries either by praying for them or by giving a monetary donation. And uh, Brenda, we're doing that uh, by putting in the regular basket during the regular offering time. So just designate it for missionary, either an envelope or right on the, on the memo. Okay, thank you, Lenny. And then we have a new ministry here at Living Word. It's called Life Givers. Um, you can see it there on the screen. After diagnosis of unexpected news of either a life-threatening or life-altering illness, some other life-altering situation, for example, financial reversal, marital crisis, a death, there is life. Uh, discover, discover some keys for unlocking abundant life during any of these various um, crises that can stop you from living the life God has intended and planned for you to live and for those caring for loved ones who struggle to hang on to life. Pastor Jim Henry, founder of Life Givers Network, will join us for our first meeting today at 1215 in the parent-child room. And Jim is here. Thank you, Jim, for joining us. It's great to see you. Oh, oh that, that's who I was looking at. I was like, there. <laughs> yeah, welcome, Pastor. 
Thank you so much for being here. Um, and then next is today, tonight is the Youth Serial Extravaganza event at 7 p.m. Teens, join us for a night full of laughter, competition, and all-you-can-eat cereal buffet. Ooh, fun, right? <laughs> at, um, be ready, parents, at <laughs> sugar in the night, okay? So, <laughs> okay, sugar. <laughs> So this Friday is the men's gathering at 7 p.m. Sign up at the Welcome Center today. We need a head count of how many people will be joining us for dinner. And then next Sunday is Bagel Worship, Bagel Fellowship. After church in the Rock Center, join us for bagels and refreshments. Bagel Worship, that's new. Bagel Worship. <laughs> I like that. It's hard to sing, but okay. <laughs> we also have Hope Moms. Uh, we'll be meeting next Sunday in the parent-child room after the Bagel Fellowship. <laughs> We're going to have Spanish worship night uh, Friday, March 31st at 7 p.m. Join us for an evening of worship in Spanish. And I'm pretty sure um, whoever has the translation on, um, if they didn't translate that, va a haber alabanza al Señor um, marzo 31 a las 7 p.m. Y si están escuchando en español, por favor, acuérdense de poner su teléfono en silencio para que no se transfiera el, el sonido. Okay. Okay, if you have not paid your balance for the women's retreat, today is the last day. Please see Jessica and Carol after service. And lastly, we're happy to announce that summer camp will run from July 10th to the 21st. That's super exciting. An email went out on Friday regarding summer camp registration with the link to register your children. There is a $25 non-refundable registration fee per family due at registration. Please register your children by April 2nd. And that's it. God bless you guys. What? First slide? Okay. La okay, oh, I can't. There you go. Okay. Oh, the men's disciple ministry. Come on up, ref. <laughs> All right. So we have a new ministry. It's a discipleship ministry. It's going to be on behalf of myself, Raphael, Derek, who's out having a marriage uh, weekend, you know, and uh, Dante, I believe, is working, right? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. All right. So the discipleship ministry. Um, I'm going to let Raph actually explain it. I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> Great intro, though. Wow, thank you. Uh, so uh, the discipleship ministry is um, right now, um, it's just for men, um, 18 and older. Um, you know, for those who are, uh, are looking and searching for, um, you know, discipleship, uh, maybe you're a new believer, you just um, accepted Christ uh, into your life. Um, and uh, it'll be handled by us four, me, da uh, Dante, uh, Derek, and Tito. Um, and we'll be guided um, as well by the elders of the church. Um, and we are looking forward to discipling those that uh, want to be discipled and in need of discipling. Um, so we uh, welcome you guys and, and, and invite you guys and encourage you to um, uh, join us in this discipleship ministry. Uh, it won't be today. Uh, we'll make another announcement next week, but it'll be after. Uh, uh, it'll be March uh, 26th. So, uh, sorry. Yeah, next week. Next week um, after service um, at The Rock. Yeah, and um, so if anybody wants to grab a hold of one of us after service, if you're not going to be here next week, you have plans or something like that, go right ahead. We'll get your information down. 
Listen, this is not for the faint-hearted. This is for people who really want to be held accountable, really want to grow in their walk, okay? There has been a little gap between the time somebody is here as a guest, you know, they get interested, they become a member, they get baptized, and then what? So we're trying to fill that little gap in, and that's what the command of Jesus was, to make disciples of all nations. This is something, me and Raph are part of a group, uh, Warriors in Christ. We have a Bible chat Tuesdays and Thursdays, uh, predominantly through Zoom, because everybody ran for the hills during the pandemic and uh, moved to uh, Georgia and Florida. <laughs> Isaiah, Sway, Oscar, and his family. But uh, So we meet through Zoom, and we have a Bible study. But uh, this is something that's been on our hearts for a long time, actually. We've been talking about how the church needs a discipleship um, ministry. So Pastor Frank, uh, he grabbed a hold of us a couple weeks ago, and God laid it in his heart to, for us. So, I mean, it's no coincidence, right? So we're excited about it. Listen, we don't have everything figured out yet. We're working on it. But uh, what we need is men that are really uh, uh, dedicated to uh, growing in Christ. You know, that's pretty much it. So if that's you... Uh, you could grab a hold of us uh, after service, but definitely next next week after service at The Rock. The Rock is the <laughs> the gym. It took me like uh, three months when I joined uh, to know what The Rock was. I thought it was the guy who raised his eyebrow like this, you know. So, um, yeah, meet and greet and orientation is next week. God bless you guys. Thank you, guys. One, one last thing. I'm so sorry. If we can please make sure um, to leave the back for um, the moms and the Okay, so back just yeah. back. Okay, the back seats. All right, God bless you guys. And if the ushers can come forward, we're going to take our offering as part of our worship time, which is the, the main offering, but also, as I mentioned, the missionary offering. And I do want to add something to uh, what the guys just shared. Thank you, guys. So we do, just so you know, you know, that gap between this now discipleship program and, become, and being just here, sitting under pastor's feet and, and hearing the truth, which you can be discipled through, obviously, right, um, as well. Pastor Sam does a, uh, a, a New Believers class, which is a foundational um, believers um, class that really gets you grounded and rooted. You know, some of the things we hear are not absolutely true, and he does a great job in, in setting that foundation. And this is another step in discipleship, growing and continuing to grow, to continuing to be uh, discipled by the Lord and by those that are here. And, you know, our sanctification process takes time, right? The Lord will save you and allow you to grow through that time. So there's many things we're offering here, and that's an, another new one. And Faith is waving at me. I'm not sure why, Faith. What's up? Yeah, so there's two women's Bible studies. There's women's gathering. There's the men's gathering you heard today. There's men of abundance, women of grace. So there are many, many opportunities for you to get engaged, be, be discipled, and continue to grow. So let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for this time, Lord, to come into your presence and continue to worship you, Lord, in this time of of celebration and giving back to you, Lord. We just ask that you multiply what we give, that you would be honored in it. We just thank you for your provision, Lord, and we thank you for trusting us in this stewardship of the lives that you've given us, Lord, the friends, the families, and our jobs, Lord. And we just give back to you and ask you to multiply what we give. Your provision, always, in Jesus' name.
My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. ready to receive the word let's pray together dear lord we praise you and thank you lord god you are such a good and a gracious god lord we thank you for your work in our lives we thank you that you are the author of our salvation you are the one who has called us you are the one who's beckoned us to you lord god and you have arms that are open wide with love for us and lord we don't deserve it we don't deserve it because of our rebellion of heart our sinfulness, Lord God, but you welcome us and you offer forgiveness um, and salvation to us. Lord God, and we give you praise. Lord, you are so very good to us. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would meet us this morning. Lord God, you'd open our hearts to what you have to say. Lord, I ask that you would meet those who are hurting this morning, Lord God, and going through, uh, whether it's mourning or difficulty or trials, Lord, that you would strengthen them, that you would give them the peace that transcends all understanding, that that would guard their heart in Christ Jesus, Lord God. And I, I ask that you would, um, if there's a healing, Lord God, that you would bring healing um, to whoever needs it, Lord Jesus. Whatever is going on, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would move and you'd stir. Lord, we surrender this to you, trusting that you have a perfect will in our lives. Lord, we give you praise and honor. May you be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so good morning, everybody. How are we doing? All right. Awesome. I heard an awesome in that. That's good. That's good news. All right. We're going to be looking at the story of Gideon. Uh, we're looking at Judges 6 through 7 with a little bit at 8. Uh, we're not going to read each verse because that would take a good chunk of time. So I'll, I'll read sections. I'll give you what happens in between each of the verses so you'll know what's going on. So if you rise for the reading of God's word. We'll start off on Judges, chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because of the Midianites. The children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds, which are in the mountains. So it was, whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would come up also Amalekites 
and the people of the East would come up against them. Dear Lord, we ask that you would speak to us through your word, that you'd minister and open our hearts to what you have to say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So the question I want to ask you is actually taken from the scripture in verse 14, uh, uh, a question that God asked Gideon. And, and, And the question is, have I not sent you? Have I not sent you? God calls us. He has a mission and a purpose for our lives daily and also lifelong. And he calls us to do what, he's, what he has a purpose for us to do. And sometimes we try to run from it or uh, we want to do our own thing. But God says, have I not sent you? So I want you to be thinking about this morning is what purpose God has for you on a daily, what's going on that maybe God is calling you to do something. It might be um, currently, it might be in the future. But you need to ask yourself, well, what is God calling me? Have I not sent you is a question he asks. So we just uh, went through these, the first three verses and talked about Israel is crying out for deliverer. They are being oppressed by the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the East, and they are very oppressive. And they are so oppressive that they take everything Israel has. If they come, they steal livestock. They bring their camels down and it tramples on all their crops and destroys their crops. And they are brutal to the people. And they are so oppressed and overwhelmed, they're crying out for a deliverer. But the reality here is the reason for this is because of their sin, is because of what they've done wrong. As they rebelled against, they did evil in the sight of the Lord. In the book of Judges, um, you see over and over again that the, Israel does evil in the sight of the Lord. God hands them over to the Midianites or whoever, whatever people group, and then they cry out to the Lord. It's a result of their sin that they're in this. But I love it because God is so gracious. He hears their cry, heals their call. And so God sends them a prophet. And the prophet comes and says, um, remember how God took us out of Egypt and, and, and brought us to land. But he told us not to worship other gods. But you have not listened to his voice. That's what it says in verse 10. He says, but you have not obeyed my voice. So the prophet comes speaking to the people. The reason you're in this mess is because of your own sin. You know, I found in my life, sometimes I'm in a mess because of my own sin, right? In the consequences, it's kind of my fault. I did all this, now I'm reaping the benefits. And we cry out to God, God, help me, why am I in this? And if I really look at myself, a lot of times it's because, yeah, yeah, that was stupid. I did this or did that. And there are consequences, and that's what they're doing. But even in the midst of that, realize, even in the midst of our mess up, even in the midst of the mess that we made, God is still gracious. God is still loving. And he sends a deliverer uh, to help Israel. And as he is gracious to us, and he relieves us out of our pain, out of our mess, uh, for a greater purpose. Let's read the next verses in verses 11 through 12. I told you the story in between, so we'll keep doing it that way. Verse 11 and 12. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under a terebinth tree, which was an Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abyssalite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide from the Midianites. And the angel Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. So the angel Lord speaks to Gideon. And in the Old Testament, the angel Lord um, can be pre-incarnate Jesus, right? He can be, or an angel Lord. It, it is, we don't know. Sometimes we got hints that it is, and this is one of those hints. It seems like it's the Lord, right? Um, 
And so he, the angel of the Lord appears again in, and he says, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. That would be kind of shocking. Also, an angel of the Lord appears and like, oh, the Lord's with me, mighty man of valor. Why are you saying that? That's scary. So that, I would be scared if an angel appeared, right? And he, at the time, he's in a wine press. So the one to the left is most likely that period time press, but I wasn't exactly sure. So I, I put another, um, I think there's more New Testament on the bottom, right? But I want to show you the idea of a wine press. What you do is they put grapes down and they stomp on them, right? And then the grapes would it'd be on a slope and it trickle down to a lower area and they collect all the wine. So it's a wine press. So it's a little sunken in. You can see you could stand in there, be slightly hidden, and there's usually an outer wall to keep animals away because animals would be like, ooh, food, and they'd walk over. So you'd have the gate around it. So it would be somewhat hidden. Now, he is, Gideon is there, and he's threshing wheat. Um, those of you who aren't, nobody here is farmers. I'm not, but I, I've learned this. So what they do is threshing wheat. They take the wheat, and they, with a big fork, and they throw it in the air, and the heavier parts would fall down, and the dry kind of leafy part and stuff would kind of flutter away. And you keep doing it until you get all the grain, right? Well, why is he doing it in a wine press? Because he's scared. Scared of who? The Midianites. Now, now, Dovier's like, oh, Gideon gets such a bad rap. He's, he's scared. He's throwing, you know, this thing up, hiding. I don't know about you. If I would have had a people group that oppressive where they're destroying everything you have, destroying crops, stealing all our animals, being brutal to us, and I have this little bit of wheat, I don't want them taking this. So I, okay, so maybe I speak for myself. You bold people, you could go do it in the field. I would probably be like flipping it up, right? And, and letting the wheat, I would say, good, so now I have enough for my family. We can go and make some, you know, bread and stuff with it. So I, I, I kind of hear it. But this is interesting. So he's doing that. He's feeling not the toughest. And did you see what the... The angel of the Lord says to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. So he sees him even in the situation where he's not the most masculine, I guess you'd say, or strong or tough, right? In, in, in midst of that, he says, you mighty man of valor, you mighty warrior. He calls him a mighty warrior. He doesn't look like a mighty warrior at the moment. Because interesting, God sees you what you will be, not what you are. And there's an interesting thing here. It says, because the Lord is with you. There's a connection. When we allow the Lord to work in our lives, when we depend on the Lord, when he is with us, he makes us mighty. See, on his own, he's not mighty. But when it depends on God, God helps us do those mighty things he's sending us to do that are really scary. And you're going to see what Gideon has to do, and it's really scary. But God will do that if we trust him in his presence. He will work in us. Through that, let's look at verse 13. Gideon said to him, this is he's talking to the angel of the Lord. Gideon said to him, oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Is this a logical question? It's like, the Lord is with us? Remember they said, um, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor? The Lord is with us? Where is he? Do you see what the Midianites are doing to us? We're getting destroyed. There, there's no help. We're crying out, nothing's happened. Where is our God? What about all those stories I heard in Egypt? You know, like God led Moses and they went through the Red Sea and they walked through and then God destroyed the army. Why aren't you destroying the army now? Why aren't you getting rid of these Midianites? What have we done that was so bad? He should have, I don't know if he heard the, what the prophet said earlier. He kind of told him. But, you know, 
But this is a serious question. Sometimes when God calls us to do something, we have a bunch of questions. And we're like, yeah, yeah, but, but, but. And we have excuses and we kind of go through stuff. But this is sincere. Realize Gideon is being sincere. He doesn't get chastised here. This is sincere. Look, where's the Lord? I want him to be here, but he's not here. I don't know why. Why is he not here? The Lord has abandoned us. And let's see what the angel says next. Verses 14 and 15. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am least in my father's house. I love the Lord's response. When, when he asks, it's like, where have you been? What, why isn't the Lord with us? Where are all the miracles? And then he goes, haven't I sent you? Me? me? I'm supposed to be? You're supposed to be like Moses. I'm, I called Moses. All those things that happened, he trusted me, and look what happened. You're that guy. Uh-oh. <laughs> you know, and as Moses responded, right, I, 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 I can't speak. I have a speech impediment. And he gave, same thing. He's like, but, but I'm the weakest in my clan, my family. I have no influence. I have no political influence. I'm not the mayor. I'm not the president. I, am, I have no sway over Manasseh, the tribe of Manasseh. I can't do this. You know, maybe if you pick this guy or this family, that family is really influential. You should talk to them. They would have led Israel, and, and they would rally. Nobody, if I go, hey, guys, let's fight. Nobody's listening to me. Why are you picking me? So these are, these are legitimate things out of everybody, why he'd pick him. But you know what? He's got to understand God. God loves to choose the weakest of the weak. Okay? If you're the weakest of the weak, guess what? You're a good candidate for whatever God has for you. It's a classic God move. You know? It, it, if you look through Scripture and you understand how God works, that's what he likes to choose. Why? Because he doesn't want to think the person that's their power doing it they wanted them to understand, I depended on God, and God did it. That's what he wants to do. So guess what? If you're saying, I think God's calling me something that's really scary, there's no way I could possibly do that. Mm, maybe he's calling you. Because he wants you to depend on him. When you depend on him, watch out. He's going to do great things. And at the end of it, you're like, praise the Lord. It wasn't me. Praise the Lord. You know, Because we get our focus becomes upon him. You know, it's kind of like a... Moses going through the Red Sea, God shouldn't have chosen him, but he does. And, and we'll see. Let's keep reading in verse 16. And the Lord said to him, surely I'll be with you, and you shall de- defeat the Midianites as one man. So his answers say, hey, I'm the weakest of the weak. I have my clan. I have no influence. He says, no, 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 no. I'm with you. That's all you need. And guess what? I'm going to make sure that the Israel comes together as one person against the Midianites. You're going to see they're all going to come together because I'm doing it. You don't need to worry about it. You know, it's like Moses in the Red Sea, right? He walks up to the Red Sea, and it's just a huge body of water. You're like, uh. And you look back, and Pharaoh's army's coming. Hmm. God, you need to help us out here. So he cries out before the Lord, and what does the Lord do? The Lord's hand pushes the water back. Did Moses, was it by his power that he did this? Moses didn't do this? No, it was the Lord's hand. So he walks on dry ground, and the Pharaoh's army comes behind him. And what does the Lord do? He 
with his hands. Whoop, there goes Pharaoh's army. Wow, but Moses was a tough warrior, right? He took him out. Mm-mm, he didn't do anything. He just trusted the Lord and a God who's powerful enough to do something. You know, so you got to realize, you think, I can't do that. That's good, because God can, and he will, and you need to trust him. As scary as that may sound, God is calling you something right now that may be scary, but you need to trust him. Be strong and courageous. I am with you. That's what the Lord says. Have I not sent you? So the Lord is asking that question to you as he asked the Gideon. Have I not sent you? You maybe have a huge problem, a huge trial, something going on in front of you right now. And God's saying, have I not sent you? But you say, wait, 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 but I'm not the most gifted. I'm the most talented. I'm the most charismatic. I don't know all that Bible knowledge. I'm not good at speaking to people or talking about Jesus or, or, or helping in that situation. I just, computers, forget about it. My brain just doesn't. There's no way. God, you know, God's got somebody else that's better fit for this, right? Nope. Remember, God likes to choose those who don't think they can to trust that they, if they trust the Lord, they can. Whether you feel insignificant, lack of ability, lack of influence, God wants to use you. Maybe God's calling you. Maybe God's calling you to be a witness to your friends. Tell them about Jesus. Maybe God is calling you, you've been praying about something, for God to work. God, work in this situation. Do this. And Maybe he's saying, I'm calling you to do that. I've heard your cry. I've set you up. I've given you the abilities. I'm going to allow you to do that. Uh, maybe you've been here and be like, you know, I love this church, but when I came here, I didn't feel welcomed. I wish people were more welcoming. Maybe God's calling you to be that welcome person. I know when I was in youth group, there was this guy named Mike Kreka, who, when I, I first got there, there was a huge group, and, and he made me feel super, hey, come join Miss Lou. Yo, I love this guy, he's so funny. Meanwhile, I was a super shy kid, but he, he thought I was, so he welcomed me. I was like, oh, that was awesome. Talk to him years later. I was like, when we were in college and after, I'm like, why'd you do that? It meant so much to me. I really helped me. He goes, because when I was here, nobody welcomed me. And I wanted to make sure that somebody else would feel welcome. And I'm, I'm in youth ministry today, so you figure, we're pretty good. <laughs> so maybe, maybe God is calling you uh, to be a light in your job. Maybe God is calling you some kind of ministry in the church to be part of, to serve, to God, well, I don't know if I, have the, if I could do that. Well, maybe God is calling you to that. Maybe God is calling you to be part of the, being discipled. Maybe God is calling you to lead a Bible study or to get one started. Now, if anybody wants to lead a Bible study, first, of course, talk to the pastoral staff. And we may say, wait for a time, but you can trust the Lord. You know, God called me into ministry. I had a go through training for four years before I got into ministry, okay? So there, there might be a waiting time. But realize if God has called you, he'll make it happen. Maybe God is calling you to help somebody go through a difficult situation that you need to partner with, that you need to uplift, that you need to be praying for. Maybe God is burdening you for somebody to be praying for somebody who's going through and say, I may not be able to get, be there, but I'm going to battle for them in prayer. God says, I've sent you, I've burdened you for them on purpose. What is God burdening you for? 
What has God put before you? What are the challenges maybe he is sending you to right now to either minister, to reach out? And if you don't know, start praying about it. God, I have no clue. Because he has purpose and missions for each and every one of you, teenagers included. God had missions for me when I remember I was a teenager. He had missions for me, witnessing to my friends, um, inviting them, um, being encouraging, uplifting. God has purposes for every single one here. Maybe God is calling you. Oh, but Pastor Lou, that's nice. You're, you know, you're a pastor, and you're preaching, and you have the ability, and you know all this Bible stuff. But you know, I can't. You, how about I ask you to go talk to my friend? That would be awesome because you know all that Bible stuff and apologetics, and you know. And, mm, but God didn't call me to do that. And plus, you guys don't know. Most of you teenagers kind of have a clue a little bit about my background, but you guys don't know how shy I was. I tell teenagers, I was the second shyest in my class growing up. I was actually shyest for a long time, and this girl came from another town, and I thought I was quiet. I'm like, hmm, I think she's a little more quiet than me. <laughs> and, and then the, the teachers would go, he's such a nice boy. He doesn't say anything, but he's such a nice boy to my mom all the time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I also had a learning disability called dyslexia, where you'd see letters backwards. I wouldn't see, but my brain would see it backwards, and it's really hard to read and comprehend. And I remember in reading groups and stuff like that, people would read, and they would, they would name different characters and stuff like that. I don't, that person was in there? Like, I was like, what? Honestly, it wasn't like, I was like, I remember a cat, I remember a kite, but I don't remember a person. Because I was so focused on learning the words, trying to read it out. So that's where I am. And so God has called me to ministry? You've got to be kidding me. I, I stutter when I read in front of people, you know, because I'm so working the words. I'm like, you're calling me? I'm the last person. I remember the, the pastor's daughter came up to me when I was younger. And she's like, oh, hi, Lou. And I went, ah, and I went running away. <laughs> and God calls me to be a pastor. God, you got the wrong guy. Anybody else but me. But the reality is God wants to choose those who can't, those who don't have the ability, those who know there's no way to do it unless they lean upon God. You know, and I've had to lean upon God. It still t- teaches me every time I come to the Word, every time I'm preaching, Lord, that you would lead, that you would give me the wisdom. I remember the first time at 17, my pastor asked me to preach about 50 people in our congregation. I was nervous, shaking, stuff like that. And then I started reading, and then I was like, okay, calm down. And then I, through the middle of the sermon, I'm like, pounding the pulpit and preaching. And I'm like, at the end, I'm like, where did that come? Who, what happened to this kid? Seeing power in the Holy Spirit. If he's called you, he will gift you. And he will speak through you. I know students that have to speak to others about Jesus. We go on mission trips, and we do that. Excuse me. And they're like, I don't know what happened. I just was talking. It just came out. I don't know what happened. And that happens when they depend on the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's not as, woo, that was awesome. Sometimes it's a little more bumpy as you go, but you keep trusting, and it gets smoother. You know, sometimes our response is to calling. We have different responses to calling. The first is usually a lot of times fear, like forget about it. When God called me, I was like, oh, no way. I don't want to think about it. Block it out. Fear, we think of our lack of ability, right? We think, we give all these excuses, but, 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 what about this? I don't have this. I can't do this. What about, and we have all these excuses the first time. Another one is response is running, kind of like Jonah. Jonah wasn't interested in what God wanted him to do. I'm out of here. No way. I'm gone. 
and he runs. You may be running because you're scared. You may be running because you're just not interested in what God has. Another response may be bitterness or anger. So why are you calling me? What about this person? Why, why do I have to do this? This is not an easy task. Why can't they do it? And we become bitter and anger, angry. I don't know if you've been there. Because we don't see God's perspective. We don't see that God has given us opportunity that we get to see God. I don't know. I don't know if you understand that. When God calls you to do something, when you actually obey, you get to see God work. You get to see God transform and do things. You're like, that's what people are talking about when they say they see God do stuff? I've never did that because maybe you haven't stepped out yet. Maybe you haven't followed what he's calling you to do. So maybe today is a day that God is calling you to do something. And the, the, last, the last response is acceptance. All right, God, I will do it. I will obey you. I'm scared to death, but I will do it because I've called you. And not all of them are scary, honestly. They aren't. I keep referring to my calling to ministry. That was really scary. So that's why I say that so much. But when we follow, he will bless us. He'll do great things. Okay, the story continues with Gideon. So the angel Lord says, I'm calling you. I'm going to work through you, you mighty man of valor. And then, so he responds. He's like, okay, okay, let me, give me some time. Let me get, just get a sacrifice. Will you stay here? So he runs back. He, he, he gets a broth, a soup, puts meat in it, bakes some bread, brings it. The angel of the Lord says, pour it out on the rock. So he pours it out on the rock. And the angel of the Lord takes a staff and it lights up. And then he disappears, just like that. And Gideon's like, oh, oh my goodness. And he's like, and he covers his, I don't know, I would have covered my face. Oh my goodness, I've seen the Lord in the face to face and I'm going to die. And then he realized, wait, I didn't die. So, okay. But he still, he wanted a sign. Guess what? He got a sign. God's like, whoa. God's doing this. Okay, God's called me, which is a little scary, right? Later on that night, God speaks to him. So he sent the angel Lord first. And now after that, he actually hears God audibly. So God is speaking to him. He's like, I got it. Okay, so you know it's me. I got a plan for you. This is what you need to do. You know your father's giant altar? It's kind of the size. It's, it's really big. It's a huge altar. Be bigger than the stage, you know, about that high, of all rocks. You see that altar to Baal, which is a, a, a false god that they worshipped in the Astropoles? I want you to tear him down. So he gets a whole bunch of guys, 10 of his servants at night, and he says, let's go do it. And, and, and he tears it down. Now, he does it at night because he's scared of what people are going to think of him or what might happen to him, the harm that might become to him. So he wants to do it at night. So it speaks about how he wasn't, Gideon wasn't most confident, the most um, strong. He was very fearful. Talks about that. So he gets his men, he does that, and they build a new altar to the Lord. He sacrifices animals to the Lord on it. And in the morning, the people wake up, and they're like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? So they, it's caused quite a stir. This is where they worship Baal all the time. And so they, they found out who did this, who did this, and they found out it was Gideon. So they go up to the dad's house, because Gideon was in the dad's house, and he said, bring out your son, we're going to kill him. Hey, he destroyed Baal's altar. He deserves to die. I love the dad. The dad comes out. He goes, okay. He goes, if Baal is such a great God, let him kill Gideon. They're like, that makes sense. If he's such a great, he'll strike him dead. All right. Did he get struck dead? No, he didn't. Because God is more powerful than any of the spiritual realm on the, on the evil side, right? And so then he gets a name, Jeroboam, which means 
Baal will contend. They change his name because they're like, okay, they don't call him Gideon anymore. You know that guy over there, you know, Jeroboam? God, Baal will contend with him. That's what they said, but it never happened, which I love that. I think that's fun, but that's just maybe me. All right, let's keep reading. Verses 33 through 35. Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east gathered together, and they crossed over and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Then he blew the trumpet, and the Abyssalites gathered around him, and he sent messengers throughout all of Manasseh, who also gathered around him. And he sent messengers to Asherah, Zebulon, and Naphtali, and they came up to meet him. So this is the valley of Jezreel. It actually goes much more wider. It's, it's the battle Armageddon will take place. It's pretty flat, expansive. So you have the Amalekites, the, the Midianites, the people of these all gathered for battle. And then you have Gideon. And all of a sudden, this guy who's scared, who's, you know, tossing wheat, and this guy who, who destroys the altar at night, all, this guy, same guy, all of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him, and he blows a trumpet, and he says, let's go fight! And, and they gather all these people groups to go with them. They all listen to him. Where, what happened to this guy? He's hiding. He's scared. And now he's blowing a trumpet for battle. What's the difference? The spirit of the Lord came upon him. See what happened? The scaredy cat becomes a strong, mighty warrior because of the power of the Holy Spirit on him. And if you might feel like a scary cat, whatever God's calling you, guess what? You trust and the Spirit of the Lord comes upon you in power, he's going to move and you're going to be bold and strong. Trust him. Call upon him. Seek after him. He will do it. Have I not sent you? God is calling you and sending you to do something. You need to trust him. You need to trust that he's going to do it. He'll take you past your fears. He'll take you past your inability. He'll take you past all those things you think you can't do. And the, sometimes the first steps are to trust him. You need to tear down those altars. There may be some sin things in your life that you need to tear down. Because you've got to realize Gideon worshipped Baal before this. It's like, oh, he's always a Yahweh worshiper. I don't think so. It doesn't ever say that. His dad had a huge, the biggest altar Baal in the neighborhood. Do you think he might have sacrificed the Baal as his son? Mm-hmm. So he had to tear those old things down. Sometimes you've got to tear those sin things in your life and say, I need to stop that, and I need to obey and follow God. So sometimes that's the first thing God did in following what he's calling him to do. You need to tear down those sins. God, forgive me of that. I need to follow you. And then take the step to do that. And the next step is, it's like, well, how do I deal with my fear? I don't understand. The, the people in the Bible, they were like, they were never fearful. I mean, look at the Apostle Paul. He, this guy was tough as nails. You know, he's flogged. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten, he was stoned with the, you know, big boulders, he was imprisoned, all these things, and, and he, he was so tough. Look at him. Did you guys, I got to show you a verse, you got to see this. I think you might have seen this before, but this is a good one. Let's read about the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, in much trembling. Did you guys? I, let me repeat verse 3. I was with you. It's talking about the Apostle Paul. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and power. 
that your faith should not be in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. I don't know about you, the guy who's tough as nails, did you just hear some verse 3? I came to you in weakness and fear and in trembling. The apostle Paul was trembling when he's coming to the church in Corinth. Trembling! And he said, I don't have fancy words. I'm not a gifted speaker. It wasn't by my great words. It was by the power of God. Lives were changed by the power of God. You can go and not have to be the best speaker, and God will speak through you. You can be like, wow, I tried talking about Jesus. That was horrendous. And then they come back to you next week. Could you tell me more about Jesus? You want more? How did that happen? Power of God. I remember when I went to see Billy Graham when I was a teenager. Those of you who know Billy Graham, he's a famous evangelist. Filled up Giant Stadium. I'm sitting there, Giant Stadium. I'm like, oh, I got to hear what he's. I'm going to. I took notes. I was. God had called me at that point to be a pastor. So I was like, I'm. I, I'm going to take notes. So I'm taking notes about his gospel. I'm like, that's it. I was like, that was the most basic gospel message I've ever heard. <laughs> Nobody's coming forward on that one. There was nothing. And all of a sudden, he gives a God. People get up. All, I'm like. Where did all these people, did you hear the same message I heard? It's the power of God. Here's the thing, when we go into any kind of thing God is sending us, you need to depend on the Holy Spirit. Ask him, Holy Spirit, you need to speak to me. You give me the words, you give me the confidence, you give me the boldness, you give me what I need. You depend on him, he speaks through you. He will use you. He keeps trusting you. And there will be some testing, he's like, you're going to still trust me? You, it's, it's, you get a little scared, you're going to still trust me? Okay, I'm, I'm still going. I'm being obedient. I'm tore down the stuff. I'm going, God. And he'll do that. You know, because our perspective becomes wrong. Our perspective becomes about us, right? I don't have the ability. Our perspective needs to be on God. He's the ability and the power to do it. That's sometimes hard to do, though, right? Sometimes hard to focus on God and saying that he's going to do it, but we need to trust him. And get that perspective. There's another verse in Ephesians, the Apostle Paul. Here says, By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. He's able to spread the good news by what? God's grace and his power. It didn't say by my ability and my charis- charisma. It didn't say that, right? It doesn't say by my ability to speak apologetics and my a deep theological understanding that I was able to spread the good news. No, it says by God's grace and his mighty power, I'm able to, okay? And he will do that. And it's a privilege of serving him. God gives an opportunity to do what he's called us to do. And guess what? He's right there with us. He's walking right with us. A lot of times, he's mostly actually time in front of us preparing the way for us. And he's working and he's moving. Okay, so the story goes on. So Gideon tore down the altars. He, you know, got the army to come with him. They're all gathered like, yeah, we're all here. We're ready to go. And all of a sudden he's like, what did I just do? Did you ever do that when God called you to do something? And you're like, yeah, I'm on it, God. Let's do it. And then you step out and you're like, oh, no. I just do it too many times. And then you get scared and you're like, you're crying in the corner. But the... I speak for myself. Okay, so, so, the, so the story goes on. So he's like, I need a confirmation. Lord, is this really you? I don't know what just happened, why anybody would follow me, but they did. And now I'm here and I'm scared. What do I do? So he's like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay this fleece on the ground, right? So, so he puts a fleece on the ground. He's like, all right, God, tomorrow, if in the morning there's dew on just the fleece and the ground around it's dry, I know you've set me. 
this is going to be good. So the next morning, what happens? The dew is wet, and the, and, and, and the ground is dry. Wow, God's called him. You should be like, yeah, he's out. All of a sudden, he starts, you know, you start second-guessing yourself. You're like, wait a minute. But maybe the fleece is super absorbent. Um, because, you know, it's fleecy. And, and so it just sucked the water in, and so it, the ground just dried faster. So just to make sure, let's reverse it. Let's do the, the fleece is dry and the ground is wet because, you know, that, those fleeces, how they go. So then he prays the next morning, what happens? The fleece is dry and the ground is wet. Oh, that's, tr- that's a good trick, God. I don't know how you pulled that. That's pretty good. You know, and so it's reversed. So there's no way, there's no logical explanation, any other reason that that was God. Because any, it should be all wet or all dry, but it shouldn't be one or the other. It's like, okay, God sent me. So I, I want to encourage you, it's not, it's not sinful to ask for God to confirm it. God, I'm not sure. I know this is especially the big things. I mean, he's going against a huge army. That's a pretty, that's a pretty big thing. I want to make sure, God, is this what you're calling me to do? You could ask him. You could confirm it. I know when God called me in ministry, Lord, I need you to confirm it. And boy, did he confirm it. And he does that. And other times, he's called me to do saying, Lord, I believe this is what you're calling for me. I just want to make sure, just, just confirm it for me. And he does. He does. He does over and over again. He speaks through his word. He speaks through his... I mean, there'll be something, I'll be like sitting in a sermon. I'm like, Lord, what is it? And right when I say, Lord, should I, you know, is this what I'm supposed to do? And is a verse that was connected to what God's calling me to do, all of a sudden comes up on the screen. I'm like, are you God? Are you kidding me? You know, and Lord does stuff like that, that it's like he just speaks through his word and through you. And so I also want to say to you, don't say yes to every single ministry, yeah, every single opportunity God has for you. Make sure he's calling you. Because all of a sudden you say, oh, this person has a need, this person has a need, this person has this, this, and you, you wear yourself thin. Has God called you to each of those people? Look at the body of Christ. There's a lot of people God could call to use. So you can confirm it. Lord, is this what you want? If God keeps putting that prompting, then you go. Because you're not the Savior. Jesus is the Savior. So whoever God's called you, he'll minister to. And if God has somebody call, God will call somebody else to minister to somebody else. Be obedient to the call. That is your responsibility. Don't run from it. Be obedient to it, and God will bless you. So verse, the story goes on in chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. Then Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the hill, the well of Herod so that the camp of the Mennonites was on the north side of them by the hill of Moriah in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Mennonites into your hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. That's great. He's ready for battle. God gave him a sign. He's all set. He's got this mob of, 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 from four different tribes of Israel ready to go, ready in a battle. And God looks at him and says, um, no, there's too many here. What? Do you see how many are over there? We don't have that many. We have 32,000, just 135,000 of them. Really? God says, yeah, there's too many. So go to them and say, any of you who are too scared, go home. So it's like, oh, I'm out of here. 22,000 gets up and go. So, great, thanks, God. Now we got 10,000. Okay, this must be the good amount, God. That's enough, right? And then this will show, because there's no way 10,000 can beat that. So this will clearly show that's not by our might, it's by God. And God's like, "Mm mm-mm, still too many. Still too many? So bring them down by the water, and I will will sift them for you. 
Okay, so if once you drink a certain way and another way, you know, once you are alert and are, are, are kind of cup in the water, those I'll pick, the rest you get rid of. So see that group right there, that 9,700? God, that only leaves 300 left? Perfect. That's God's plan, right? God uses it because it's classic God because he wants you to be able so to trust in him that he's going to do it. And it's clearly... It's not by Israel's ability, right? So that's how he works, and that's what he is doing. 300 versus 135,000. There's just about three miles down the road. All right, we got this. Oh, I wanted to show you what that would look like. So this is 107,000. Um, uh, it's a Michigan Stadium, one of the biggest stadiums. But 135 would be a little more than that. And 300 might be, you know, that marching band on the thing. You know, it's the, you know, hey, take them out. Wow. God's, God, that's why he needed some confirmation. And that's why God's called him Mighty Warrior, because he's what he's going to be and what he will be. Have I not sent you? God is with you no matter what he's calling you into. And he will empower you. And he will give you the gifts and abilities to do that. The gifts you didn't think you have, he will reveal to you he has. Before God called me to ministry, I didn't know I had a, pre- a gift of preaching. I had no clue. Peter kind of pushed me off the ledge and be like, oh, I got to learn to fly. And all of a sudden, I was like, wow, I had the gift. Whew, good thing he gave me wings. Let's keep going. Verses 9 through 12. It happened on that same night that the Lord said to him, Arise and go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. But if you are afraid, go down, go down to the camp with Torah, your servant, and you shall hear what they say. And afterwards, your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Torah, his servant, to the outposts of the, arm, of the armed men who were in the camp. Now the Midianites, the Amalekites, all the people of the east were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts. And their camels were without number as the sand of the seashore. So he said, So he said, if you are scared, I want you to do this. I want you to go down to the camp and I want you to listen. See what's going on. So he goes down to the camp and you have he sees, like God, how is this helping me? The people seem as numerous. As the sand sees sort of like the, the camels are everywhere. There's just it's just a mob scene of people. There's like, there's no way. This is supposed to encourage me, but he's like, just just wait. Here it goes on. Verse verse 13. And when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. He said, I have had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. It came to a tent and struck it so that it fell and overturned, and a tent collapsed. Then his companion answered and said, This is nothing else than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hand God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. And so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation that he worshipped. He returned to camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. That's cool. So God says, go down there and listen. And as he's listening, one of the guys, it's nighttime, one of the guys is telling, I just had a dream. And I had a dream that this barley loaf came rolling down and just blew up the tent, just just smushed it. 
And his, his, his companion in the same tent says, I know what that is. That's a sword of Gideon. We're doomed. We're destroyed. They're going to destroy us. Are you kidding me? God said, go ahead. And he's listening. And that's what you hear? At that moment, you're like, what did he do? Do you remember what Gideon did at that moment when he heard that? He worshiped. You heard that? He worshiped. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. You know, when, when you're like, you're not sure and you're scared and God has something, God just confirms something, you just, you just kind of stop everything and like, praise you, Lord. I, we praise you. Thank you, Lord. Woo, he's got this. And then he goes back and now he's strengthened. The Lord strengthens him. And he says, arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. Oh, he's ready to go with this 300. So good. Have I not sent you? As God asked Gideon, what about you? Have I not sent you? This is my mission. This is my purpose for you. He had 300 taking on 135,000. Impossible task. You could say, well, he's such a godly man. It doesn't matter how godly you are. If God's not in it, it's not happening. But he's called and he's doing. This is similar to God strengthening Moses. The Lord strengthened him as he prepared uh, speaking to Pharaoh. And when the Pharaoh's army came, the Lord was there strengthening him. God strengthened Joshua as when he was going to go into battle in the promised land. And he, would say, he said to him, be strong and courageous. God strengthened him. God strengthened Paul in his fear and trembling. The Lord strengthened him. The Lord sends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel, Mary, Joseph, others for the task God had for them. God strengthened them to do it. Lean upon the Lord. Seek his strength. He will strengthen you and give you the courage and the strength to do it because he is with you. You know, all of these people have legitimate fears. And we can't dismiss that. They're legitimate and sometimes paralyzing. And some of you, some of us, I know if I had spirit, we face that and you're like, wow, this is too big for me. But Lord, I'll trust you, Lord, in this. The enemy wants to paralyze you with fear. The enemy wants to say, you're not good enough. You don't have ability. You can't do this. That, that person's much better than you. Let them do it. Ignore, ignore those feelings you have. Just, just move on. You can't do this. Look at that. Oh, you tried. <laughs> you failed. Oh, that's the enemy. But don't we feel that way? We, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to. And then, then it doesn't go well because we're all scared and, and we mess up, right? The Lord says, keep going. I'm with you. I'll trust me. I'm going to help you through. You keep going. Don't listen to the enemy. Don't listen to those fears. Find those verses in the Bible that speak about fears and rebuke those fearful thoughts by speaking God's word. I will fight for you. All you need to do is be still. I will never leave you or forsake you. I am with you. Whatever verses you have, that is, find them up, Google it, find verses that, that are going to help you fight those negative thoughts that are going to keep you from what God's calling you to do. You need to be in the battle. So the story goes on. So um, each man, he gets, he goes, okay, guys, let's go. You get a pitcher, a torch, and a trumpet. And we're going to go. And so he broke up into different groups, and they all get, go in your positions. And he got everybody getting in positions to get ready to go. And then it goes, they go on the north, the west, and the south side. And it says this in verse 19. So Gideon and the, th- and the hundred 
who were with him came to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, which is about 10 o'clock at night. Just as they had posted the watch and they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers there that were in their hands, then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers that they held they held the torches in their left hand and the trumpets in their right hands for blowing. And they cried, the sword of the Lord and for Gideon. And every man stood in his place all around the camp and the whole army ran and cried out and fled. When the 300 blew the trumpets, the Lord sent every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp. And the army fled to Beth Acadia towards Zorah, as far as the border of Abel-Malah by Tabith. So he gets the 300, middle of the watch, about 10 o'clock, and, and they have their pitchers, they're, they're, they, they smash the pitchers down, they blow the trumpets, they hold up their torches, and at that moment, the Lord sends the, uh, the Amalekites, the Midianites, and the people of these into panic. It says the Lord, it says, uh, it says, the Lord sent every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp. So they're just blowing their trumpets. And these Midianites are looking up, and they see a whole bunch of torches. They hear a whole bunch of trumpets. Now, normally, not everybody gets a trumpet. Very few people have a trumpet. Very few people have torches. So when they see 300 of them around, they're like, this is a massive army. We're doomed. And the Holy Spirit, they put panic on them. So they come running out of town. So we're going to die. And they start slicing each other. They start killing each other. And the Malachites and the Midianites, the people of the East, are just killing each other. It says they're killing their companions. The other guys are just blowing their trumpets. Woo, look at them go. You know, having a good time up there, seeing them just, they're going to kill each other. It's going to be great. It's interesting. The Lord did that. The Lord caused it. So don't you know whatever God has for you, the, the mission that God's calling, the Lord's going to do things. The Lord's going to change the heart of those you're witnessing to. The Lord's going to put favor on somebody that you need to go and speak to, whether it be a boss or someone else, about whatever. The Lord's going to have you have courage. The, the Lord's going to change hearts of those around you to look at you differently. The Lord will do that. He just says, step out. I got this. I'm going to do battle. Uh, the, I was reading last night with um, Dave in the army. He goes, and God says, when you hear the, the marching of, of the Feet in the top of the trees. I actually read that last night. It was so cool. And, and, and then you know I'm going out before you. And so David's like, he hears the march. Let's go. Totally destroyed him. It was awesome. So it's kind of like that. God's like saying, trust me. I'm going to be marching out before you. I, I'm going to change hearts. I'm going to change situations. I'm going to make people look favorably upon you. Sometimes when you hear people's testimonies about how God changed this situation, that situation, that situation, how did that happen? They depended on God and God did that. Now, sometimes we have to persevere, right? God calls us to. It's not always easy. I remember the first two years of youth ministry was really, really, really difficult. If God hadn't called me, I wasn't sure that God had called me, I would have been out of there. There's no way I would have stayed. Sometimes God calls you in difficult things, and you need to stay in that, and it's not easy. And just that assurance of that God has called you and that God's going to take you through keeps you going. There's a lot, there was a lot of despair and hopelessness in that. There was. And those are the times you need to just keep going to the Lord. You need to find brothers and sisters who can encourage you and exhort you. You're not supposed to be doing this alone. You're supposed to be doing it with the body of Christ, helping you, encouraging, exhorting you. Because I like these stories because it seems easy. It's quick, the battle, oh, this all happened. But, but sometimes it's not all in like two days. Sometimes these things are long. 
And the Lord says, I sent you to do this. I'm going to equip you. I'm going to, my grace is going to be with you. My strength is going to be with you. I'm teaching you a lot of other things that you don't know about. I may be teaching you perseverance. I may be teaching you to trust me even when it's hard. I may be putting you through this. You may be going through this. And now after the end of it, you're going to be able to help other people who are going through it. And you're going to be a light and a witness to those people. Say, look at what God's done. Look at how he answered prayer. Look at how he's faithful. In the midst of that, it's been three years, but in the midst of it, God gave me this and this and this. And look how God came through here. And look how God came through here. And he's sending me to do this. And he is faithful. He calls me to trust him again and again. Even when I run, I come back, Lord. And I run again. I come back, okay, Lord, let me do it. And I trust him. He who's called you is faithful. He will carry you through. And he will help you. Have I not sent you? Gideon's dependence on God is what carried him through. He trusted that God would do it, regardless of his ability, regardless of his ability to call people into battle. He knew and he had a trust in God. In spite of the odds of 300 versus 135,000, he needed to trust God. He sought him for some confirmations. We saw this over and over again. You need to seek God. Make sure God is calling you to it. He had to tear down the altars, tear down those sin things that are holding him back. So you may have to tear some of those things out of your life, saying, God, forgive me of these sins. I need to let them go. I need to stop running to them. I need to run to you when I'm being tempted and finding brothers or sisters who could help me during that time to be faithful to you. If God is calling you, which I believe he's calling us all different things, you need to act. You say, God, Lord, I surrender. I'm going to follow what you have for me. Those of you saying, I don't really know what God's calling me to do, spend some time praying, seeking the Lord. Here's the thing. God is calling. We all know God calls us into communion with him. That is without a doubt. So if that's not, if you haven't taken that first step, you need to take that step in communion. Connect with the Lord. If you don't know who Jesus is, the pastors are here, talk to us, and we'll explain who Jesus is and what he did for you on the cross. That is the first step. You need to trust Jesus as your Savior. Ask him in your life, change, seek to follow him. And when that, at that point, things, God has missions and callings for you. And then you pray, Lord, what is it you want me to do? I, was, I just came to know Jesus yesterday. What do you want me to do? Hey, go to tell people about it okay, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good first step. You know, God has, maybe God is calling you into um, some kind of ministry. Maybe God is calling you into encouraging a friend. Maybe God is calling you into ministry. Maybe God is calling you into um, building and encouraging other up. Whatever God is calling you to, trust him. Ask him for strength. He will strengthen you. And you'll see what he does. Trust him. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, I praise you and thank you, Lord God. I thank you that when you call us to something, you are with us. I thank you that we do not do it alone. I thank you that we do not do it in our own power. But it's by your power and might, regardless of our ability or lack of ability, that you will work. Lord, I ask that you would give us courage to follow what you are calling to do. Lord, that you would give us perseverance. Lord, that you would enlarge our faith. 
and help us to see what you have for us. Lord, that you would use us to be a blessing, that you would use us to be a light, that we would step out for what you are calling us to do. Lord, help us to lay down those sins, the sins that so easily entangle, Lord God, that we would surrender it to you. Lord, forgive us of those things and help us to move forward in the mission and calling you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.